Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today. You know, on this podcast, we've talked a lot about reskilling. We're going to talk about it again, because it's something that I think is so important. Someone who looks at labor markets, one of the things that concerns me is the mismatch we have. We have this need for talent, and we have people who are available. And they don't necessarily go together because some of those people who are available might not have exactly skills that are needed by companies at a certain point in time. So if we're going to get this right for the future, we're going to have to deal with putting the pieces together. If we don't, we're going to have both unemployment and companies that are not functioning at their peak because they don't have the right resources. So how do you do this? Well, I've looked at it from a lot of different angles, but today we're going to get the business view on this. We're being joined by Sabrina Jeremiah. Now, she's Vice President and Country Manager for Google Canada. And Google, and not just Google Canada, but Google as an organization, has really been front and center in retraining their workers. And that's a bit of an anomaly for North American business. The tech sector has been good about this, really great about this recently. But generally speaking, I find North American companies are kind of suspicious about training as a practice. Now, they feel like if they train people, they may lose them to other organizations. So there's not really kind of a a big picture view on it. It's sort of a I have to worry about my company right now. It's not really a, a view where you have to think about training a labor force that you're going to need. So I thought it was really interesting to get Sabrina's views. Uh, she talks to us about what Google's doing, talks to us about some of her views on the labor force and the economy in general and where we're going with this. Really a fascinating conversation. Please stay with us. reskilling be to our economic future? And what role should business play in that? It's a big question. To talk about it, I'm joined today by Sabrina Jeremiah. Now, she's Vice President and Country Manager for Google Canada. Google's been pretty active in the whole reskilling space, so I'm really interested to get her views. She joins us now from Toronto. Hi, Sabrina. Hi, Linda. How are you? I'm just fine. Thank you so much for taking time for this. It's a pleasure. You know, I have all these questions around reskilling, but I always like to start by asking people about their own careers. How did you get to be doing what you're doing? It's, it's often not a straight line. It's not a straight line. So I do not have a technical background, and yet I find myself leading a, a technology company in Canada. And, you know, one of the first experiences I had was an internship when I was in university at Microsoft. And I think that early exposure to tech and understanding it really paved the way and, you know, I had an interesting career. I worked in Europe for 14 years in Italy and in London and globally. And I worked a lot on the CPG strategy marketing side. And then that's where Google found me. And I did a real, I would call it a mid-career pivot to digital. And why I'm so passionate about digital and digital skills is I remember learning digital and I find it to be just such an amazing, uh, you know, sector to work in. And it's just the future of work is everything is going to be laced with technology. So I've been at Google now for 15 years. I've been in Canada for just over 13. And it's been one of the most, you know, interesting parts of my career. Well, it's interesting you talk about pivoting because we're in this age of pivoting. Uh, the pandemic is maybe just an interruption to some things, but this started before this. Before the pandemic, what I would hear from every manager is we can't find talent. 
And I just wanted to get your view on that. Is that something that was huge on your agenda, like dealing with this, or was it okay pre-pandemic? You know, I think there is um, a race on for certain specific types of technical talent. And at times when that happens, it's because there's a new area. I remember a few years ago, data scientists, all the rage, very difficult to find. It was a new area. The schools were catching up. Um, the practice was catching up and so on. And now I think our talent pool there has grown considerably. And we've invested a lot in making that talent pool larger and and and, and helping support this. So the one thing I think that's really important is there are certain narrow aspects of technical skills, but I think the bigger thing is how do we make every Canadian worker technically literate and have the mindset of a continual learner to grow those skills? So, you know, one of the things that I don't think is widely known is that Google, we often hire people who don't have strong technical backgrounds, especially in my area, and we train them up. Now, in engineering areas and other areas, they probably come in with more technical skills. But I'm a strong believer in that everybody has the ability to learn and everyone has the ability to develop technical skills. And it's really critical for Canada's future. Well, you mentioned Canada, but, you know, we're listened to all over the world. And I interview people from all over. It's not a one country problem. It seems to be an issue everywhere, Europe, wherever else. But North America is particularly bad in the training space, in my opinion. There's always this fear that if you train somebody, what if they don't stay with you? Uh, what's your view on that? Obviously, Google thinks a little differently. Yeah, I think in tech and all tech companies in general, um, like, listen, I have to rebrush up on my technical skills and do the exams um, that every employer employee, employee at Google does every three months. And I know that's the same of Microsoft and other tech companies as well. And we do this because we know that technology is constantly evolving and adapting, and we need to evolve and adapt with it and brush up on those skills. So training our employees is table stakes. It's not even an option not to do this. Um, I'll give you one example. So a couple of years ago, we, we, we really saw the potential of machine learning and AI early. And the majority of our engineers were actually computer scientists. Machine learning is a very different vein of education and computer science. So we retrained 18,000 of our engineers on machine learning. And they all did this course called, you know, an introduction to machine learning. 18,000 people did this. And that was an example of reskilling. And, you know, one interesting thing is that course is now open as part of our developer offering for anybody to take because we believe in outsourcing a lot of the training that we do for ourselves. It's interesting you bring up having to be retrained every three months. You take it for granted in tech, but I think for a lot of people hearing that, that's a lot of training. It is. I mean, and I think when you look at it at this mindset of continuous learning, like you're you're just with a sense of curiosity, like I want to understand how this works and keep up the pace. I think that helps. But then you also just need the infrastructure of training underneath. And, you know, one of the, the scary stats that people talk about is that 40% of work is going to be replaced by automation in the future. Yeah. And I think what's a little bit of a misnomer in that stat is it's not 40% of jobs. It's 40% of work. Yes. So every single job is going to have an element of working alongside digital tools. You can call it automation. You could call it other digital tools. And folks just need to understand how to learn it. And, you know, what I think is interesting is that the pandemic has accelerated this. 
I mean, think of all the digital skills. Like you and I were just talking, Linda, that we know how to set up our own at-home podcast studios. I didn't know how to do that six months ago. My kids are making websites for school. They didn't know how to do that a month ago. And every single person is learning digital skills right now. And that's, that's an example of, I think, where the future is going to go. It'll be really interesting to see how it pans out because we're doing this, but I don't kid myself I'm doing this at the highest level. I mean, I set up the lights here, but I worked in TV. I'm not doing what a lighting director did. He would do it yeah. way better. So we're kind of finding our way here, right, into what we can do and what we can't do. Some people I know are still scared that they will be left behind, that they don't have the talent, the ability, um, even the will to be retrained like this. What's your view on that one? You know, I do think that everybody has the potential to learn. And I do think that there are a lot of opportunities out there. We work with some really amazing organizations that I find super inspiring. Um, one is a, is, a, is a nonprofit called NPower. And what they do is they work with companies to find out where there are pockets of skills needed. And then they create training programs and they really over-index on underrepresented groups and young, young cohorts and they train them up. And we have partnered with them on something called the IT certificate program. And what this is, is folks who have no digital skills can become an IT registered certificate um, holder and actually become an IT person in a company. And then Empower helps link them to employers who are hiring. And they do this across a number of areas. And, you know, the results are amazing. Within sort of, you know, six months of, of doing this program, 80% of the people that they work with find jobs. So, you know, if, if you're out there and you, you think that this is hard, yes, it is hard. And it's especially hard right now. I, I just do want to say there are some bright spots. And there are a lot of amazing, smart people retraining right now and a lot of great organizations really helping on that. Let's talk about Google then specifically. You're looking at the future and you're saying, we're going to need this kind of talent. We're going to need this kind of continuous learning. What are the things beyond the every three months training that you have in place for that? So, you know, I think for us at Google, we're always trying to understand our products as they evolve. So we have something that we train our own, uh, our own teams with in terms of how to use these products. Uh, we open source that as well. Uh, there's a site called Grow with Google, and a lot of the courses that we take for ourselves are there. So, for example, if you are a job seeker, um, there are programs like the IT Certificate Program. Um, if you are someone who just really wants to brush up on digital skills, there's something called Applied Digital Skills. just helps you understand how do I use spreadsheets? How do I understand docs? How do I get the basics of understanding all these uh, new tools? And if you're a business, there are programs like, how do I brush up on my online advertising skills? How do I use different tools to help get my business in front of clients? And then the, the great thing is if you're a developer or a startup, there's a whole developer site there and you can actually figure out like, how do I use Python to make an application? Um, and this is the territory too of machine learning. What is machine learning? How do I brush up on that and understand how I can actually bake that in? to my engineering process. So I think a lot of it is having the, having the courses and having the programs to help you get there. But I think a lot of learning just comes from hands on keyboard mm -hmm. and talking to other people and, and, and doing work and learning from one another. And I think a culture 
of learning from one another is something that we really invest in as well. Well, it's really interesting, Sabrina, that you mentioned all these courses. I don't want to say this is taking the place of getting the college and university degree, but it seems like it's as important or it's maybe a lifeline to people who didn't get the degree from the right school at the right time that correct me if I'm wrong, that companies are looking for the specific courses which you continuously take just as much? Look, I think there's an opportunity in education across the board. And I think our education systems are doing a great job and they're evolving too, just as companies are evolving too. So I think that companies have a big role to play here and partnering with government to help understand and you know send out the signals of where we need more skills. Um, I also think that companies are, it's really important that they're retraining their existing workforces. You know, you touched on this earlier here. Uh, you know, if, if these jobs are continuously changing and migrating, you can't afford to replace workforces all the time. You have to grow your workforce with the growing needs of the skills that you need for the work that needs to be done. You know, for example, if you're a car manufacturer and you're moving to electrification, then all of your folks that work in that production capacity need to be trained it's a very different type of, of building a car than it was in the past. Um, I've seen some amazing pivots from car dealers, uh, you know, from around the world. Like, think about it. You would go to a car dealer, you'd have a coffee, you'd walk around models. And today what's happening is these car dealers are moving that all online. They're doing it on YouTube. They're mm -hmm. booking virtual appointments. They're allowing different things. So a lot of employers are shifting. But when you talk about the education system, I think there's an opportunity for more there too. So one of the most important areas is at the funnel, the top of the funnel, right? Which is our, our children and STEM and STEAM is critical to the future, but also learning how to work in groups, collaboration, teamwork. And I, I call it the unicorn of skills, this left brain, right brain together where you're you get the digital, you get the skills, you have the foundations of math and so on, but you're a great team player. You know how to work together because this is one of the interesting things is that so much of what we do is co-creating. And I think as we kind of go further along into high school and into university, what I see as being really helpful is getting the core skills, but like we talked about how we learn is applying them. So practical application opportunities, you know, I mentioned in my career, one of the reasons that I'm in tech is because I had an internship, a co-op term at my university in Waterloo that landed me at Microsoft. And I think these co-op opportunities, these workplace integrated models where you get some experience, you go back and learn are really, really important. For sure. It's sort of an evolving model there. Now, you mentioned the auto sector, some of the things they're doing. Tech's really been a leader here, but are there other industries that you look at or other countries you look at and say, well, that's interesting. We should try that. Yeah, there's a lot of great innovation on this. Um, so I'm on the, the board of something called the Future Skills Center at Ryerson, and I get to, to talk to a lot of really amazing companies working on this and a lot of um, education inst institutions. And one of the things that they did early on was share with us best practices from other countries. And two that really stood out to me was, first of all, one, um, Australia has a site where they link training to market data and market data based on the work, the skills, not just the job title, because that's, that's the trick there is what are the skills there? And if you're a job seeker and you wanna go in and say, hey, this is the type of work I wanna do, say a data scientist or whatever, it links you to courses that allows you to kind of brush up on these skills and start 
learning these skills or accelerate the skills that you have, but it also helps you understand the market data about the jobs available, et cetera. I think there's another um, really great example in Germany right now where they are actually going very narrow and looking at young people and looking at folks who, who need some help in understanding their job choices. And they're actually offering counseling. And this is to areas that are at high risk to automation or high risk to change. And they're getting some really good results from that as well. So I think there's a lot of good work happening in Canada. I'm seeing a lot of amazing uh, pilots that have the opportunity to scale at the Future Skills Centre. I think what we need to do in the next period is we need to scale, right? Um, We need to find what works and go bigger. And, you know, globally as well, we should all be learning from each other on what is working so that we can help people understand the skills that they need to put them in the best position to find the jobs of the future. It's interesting. I want to go back to one of the points you made earlier about soft skills and the unicorn part of it. It gets lost a little bit that we need the, the total skills in terms of tech, but we also need other things. World Economic Forum, I don't know if you've seen it, has a really interesting list of things they think are the skills of the future, include things like empathy. How hard is it to find the whole package? And can you you take somebody who has a background, as you do, who's not completely tech, and get them ready in a way that they can be really useful? I bring this up because another thing I hear from companies is, we don't have time for this. We need somebody in right now. We need you know, we have no lead time. The market's going so quickly. We'll get them from out of the country if we can't get them here. Oh, it's such an interesting question. So look on the technical skills. Um, we know where those are, those are going and we know that we need, you know, we need to double down on that. Like, you know, China, for example, is just building an army of, of technically literate yep. uh, workers of the future, right? They are putting AI into the curriculum at really young ages. And we know that. Your point on the soft skills is such an interesting one. I mean, I'll I'll just go back to my own experience. I learned so much of that when I was a kid, playing sports, right? Doing science projects, um, you know, being involved in the community, working with Amnesty International, doing all these different things. And I think a lot of that is so important in our primary and secondary education and helping. And I'm, I'm very bullish about the next generation and also of Gen Z, like they're so world-minded and they're so purpose-driven, right? So I think a lot of that comes from younger ages and it is a little trickier to be taught, to be honestly, when you're at, you know, when you're, when you're working full-time and learning these technical skills and so on, but there is an opportunity to always sharpen it. There are courses that you can do on storytelling. There are courses you can do on helping to work with another coaching is a really amazing vector on this. And I've seen that the people who have really grown their skills, and I would say the soft skill or the right brains are the folks who, who really want to do it, right? And they, they kind of take it on their personal development passion in that area. So I think everyone can grow those skills, but I just I, I think it's so important that our public institutions um, at, at a young age really foster that. But in terms of business, do you think business does enough or is business in such a hurry that they just have to hire the right person for right now? And I don't mean to put you on the spot about tech particularly, but just in general. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of it comes down to the manager responsibility. I think managers coach this a lot. And I think that's where the highest effective thing is because it's very personal, right? And I think great managers see a potential in a person, know where they want to go, 
and have a sense of what their strengths and their development areas are. And if their development areas are in the softer skills, then you put in a learning plan uh, with the person in place that could involve a course or could involve feedback. Um, it could involve putting them on a stretch assignment, you know, having them lead a bigger team or a complicated, gnarly cross-functional project and really coaching them on those softer skills. So I can't, I can't speak for other workforces. I know that we work very hard at this, um, but it is a long game, right? And it is something that I think we, we need to make sure that we keep the balance. And it's not just about technical skills. It's that unicorn, left brain, right brain, soft skills, hard skills. And if we over-index one, I think you are right. We may need to overcorrect back to the other. You know, one of the things I'm grappling with is the two issues we have. One is business is going to need the right people, the right talent, or you can't grow. And the other is we have people who perhaps are not the greatest fit for the next phase. And if we're going to make it work, we're going to have to have a concentrated effort, government, business, individuals, education. Are you optimistic that we're taking the right steps right now to get there? You know, I think there's um, systemic change is what's needed. And I think it needs to be a partnership between employers, the government and learning institutions, right? And we all need to work together. I think that certain countries are going further faster when we talk about, you know, the top down, like, let me help you understand job skills linked to market data and really understanding all of that. I think that's a great thing. And then I think a lot of employers, like we talked about bottoms up, are really doing that important one-to-one work. I often call it the middleware of systemic change and strategy is where we have the biggest opportunity because if we don't connect the big market needs right down the line to where the employers are, then we're going to lose out and people will be left behind. And I'm seeing some really good intentional work um, through, you know, what I'm seeing at the, the Future Skills Center of like the, the, the travel industry, really looking at this and helping retraining in travel um, in areas of Western Canada that were very strong in oil and gas. How do we double down there and have successful retraining programs? Because, you know, jobs are finite, but skills migrate. And for example, in, in, in Western Canada, a lot of the people who work in the oil and gas industry have amazing skills and they are completely transferable skills. You know, they need some help and some coaching to move these into areas where there is new work uh, and evolving that. So I am, I'm very bullish, I think, on people's ability to skill up, to grow, to meet the opportunity, their innate curiosity to get this done. And I think as much as we can help folks in taking the right paths, I think the further ahead we're going to be. What would you like to see business do? What kind of voice do you, would you like them to have? I think businesses are critical for this. I think um, folks that are driving a lot of the technical innovation, and Google is one of those for sure, I think it's really important that we signpost the direction of the, you know, the technical skills and the, the types of skills that are needed, but we also offer um, really practical opportunities for people to grow their skills. And we call this Grow with Google. We've trained 80,000 Canadians. We've trained over 5 million Americans and, you know, take that wider and wider and wider. It's, it's a big part of what we do and, and helping folks find training and free opportunities to be able to learn digital skills. 
So the fact that we are doing two things, I think, is, is the key. One, you have to think about, as a company, the skills that are needed for the work of the future and not jobs. If, if, you, if you anchor on job title, it's that 40% misnomer that you fall back into. So understanding what the skills are that you're going to need and the work that you're going to need and having a plan to get there, like this needs to be a C-level priority and uh, partnering to figure out how you get the training to get there. And then secondly, I do think there's an opportunity for every company that is doing this at scale and larger and wider to open source what is working, both in terms of learning, but also in terms of courses like we're doing with Grow with Google. I think it's important that we all make the pie bigger. Do you think business is getting a big enough voice in government and even reaching individuals? The Business Council of Canada is really looking at skills as one of the important things. They've done some really good work with the government on integrated learning. It's a program called BeHer. Um, I think, you know, countries around the world that are doing this well are doing this as a consortium. So I think as we evolve into the next phase of scaling what's working, I think there's there's always an opportunity to partner more. And um, I think when we partner more and we reach more people, and we help them understand the jobs of the future and understand the skills that needed to get there, I think that's gonna be the most important thing. I mean, there's one fact that I always think about that kids in kindergarten today, 65% of the jobs that they will do in the future, they don't exist yet. You know, Linda, when I was in kindergarten, this job that I do now (laughs) did not exist. You know, I I thought I would, I don't know what I thought I would be, but I certainly didn't think that I would be the country manager of Google. Google didn't exist. I didn't even know what it was. And so as someone who has lived this in my career, I always anchor on this, this point of if you can just develop your skills and understand that in the direction that makes you passionate, right? Because not everybody is going to do uh, the same pathway. And secondly, just adopt this mindset of a continuous learner that you're always willing to invest your skills because it doesn't stop at university. It continues for the rest of your life. Like, you know, like we have to retrain every three months. And that mindset is really, really critical as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I think they're economists when I was in kindergarten, but not podcasters. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. There we go. We both, we both have jobs that didn't exist when we were in kindergarten. And when we, when we know this, and we know that this is going to be even more magnified in the future, and that the jobs we do know, lawyers, doctors, et cetera, are going to be aided by a lot of technology, right? It's a technology assist, so that it's not only these jobs that don't exist, is that every job will have an assistive technology, and being comfortable with that um, is really important. Nice, optimistic kind of view on things. So let's end it there. Uh, Sabrina, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts. Pleasure. Thank you, Linda. Sabrina Jeremiah is Vice President and Country Manager for Google Canada. Well, that's it for today. If you do want to know more about Sabrina and about the work that Google is doing, please check out our show notes. You'll find some links there. If you want to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at at RelentlessEco. Now, this is a really important discussion around the future of work, and if you want to continue it, please take a moment and leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help people find us, and we can keep the discussion going. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks, as always, to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future, and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. 
You can also contact us at comments at theworkinthefuturepodcast.com. The Work in the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production. Thank you.